20 years ago, I was injured on the job, which left me with a severe permanent disability. It forced me to discover my true passion and purpose. It wasn't until I started my direct sales business and later became one of the company's gratitude ambassadors that I realized I am a giver, a humanitarian, a cheerleader, and have a deep desire to inspire others. I had no idea it was possible to have a bigger impact until I launched my podcast to inspire others to live their passion, reclaim their purpose, and be open to so many possibilities. I am your host, Candace Snyder, and this is the Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities Podcast. Welcome to the Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities Podcast. We're back with another episode with a topic I feel is super important because I think we don't talk about this enough. And it's something that we all have experienced, but we don't necessarily know how to go through the steps of processing grief. So today, my guest is Gulam Fernandez. She's an international grief specialist. Did you know there are over 40 life events that can impact your heart and produce feelings of grief? Golam had multiple bereavements growing up and without the right knowledge, tools, and processes, was stuck for years in pain and therapy. She's now passionate about training others how to deal with unresolved grief so that they can move forward and get their life back. As well as an extensive personal experience with grief, She trained over two years ago with the Grief Recovery Institute and recently with EDU Therapy UK. In January 2022, she started her handling grief practice and has been working with individuals who were stuck in the pain of their grief to teach them the knowledge, tools, and processes that they can use to identify and process all past, present, and future grief. She loves to see lives being transformed. Welcome, Galam. Thank you, Candice. That was a nice introduction. Thank you so much for having me on your program. And I do um, look forward to kind of our conversation and how it will really help people to understand grief better so they're better equipped to handle it when it happens. Um, Oh, this is so important because... We had a previous conversation and it really got me thinking. And now, especially this part about 40 life events, which I know we're not going to be able to go into 40 life events, but I know we're going to touch on it and some other things um, that can really help the people listening. So maybe you could just give us a little bit about your story and how your grief became something transformational for you so that you've been able to help a lot of people. Thank you so much, Candice. So I used to think that grief was uh, bereavement and grief was something that impacted other people and old people. So it came as a complete shock to me when my mum died when I was 13 years old. And I didn't have any kind of understanding of what grief was, how it impacts you, how you can get stuck, how to move forward. And so when people said things to me, I just took them at face value, assumed that they were true. And a very well-meaning person said to me, 
oh, you mustn't cry. You've got to be strong for your brothers and sisters. And on the face of it, that seemed to make common sense. So every time I wanted to cry, which is a normal and natural reaction to losing your mother, I would start telling myself, oh, no, I mustn't cry. I've got to be strong for my brothers and sisters. So I spent years putting on the front of being strong, whereas inside I was not feeling that way at all. It's as if handling my grief got put on hold while I um, sort of listened to the misinformation. and People would say things like, oh, time's a healer. Well, I learned um, after what happened with my mum that it's not time that's the healer. It's actually what you do during that time. And so because I wasn't actually acknowledging or processing or understanding why I was stuck with the grief of my mum, that just made it very difficult to move forward. And I later on, when I did my training and got better understanding, I realized that one of the reasons you can get stuck is if you have um, undelivered communication that's of an emotional nature. So with my mum, we were quite happy when we heard that they wanted to go on holiday uh, because we thought while she's away, we, you know, <laughs> she's going with my dad. So we were going to have lots of freedom. But just as she was about to leave, I had this sudden urge. It was a strong sense of I must tell her I love her and give her a hug. Now, I don't know where that came from or if it was intuition or whatever, but this logical side to me popped up and said, oh, uh, don't make a fuss. She'll be back in six weeks. So I listened to that voice. I ignored what my heart was telling me to do. And then when she wasn't back in six weeks because she got sick on holiday and she died, Every time I thought about my mum, I'd be stuck on going back to that conversation, replaying, why didn't, and then, you know, beating myself up. Why didn't I listen to my heart? Why didn't I do, you know, what I felt I should? And it meant that I couldn't really access the whole of my relationship with my mum. Stuck on that one scene, and I would keep replaying it and then telling myself, why didn't I, why didn't I, and so on. And so when you've got undelivered communication of an emotional nature, until you actually recognize it and then find a way to deliver it and make peace with it, you'll kind of stay stuck. And so I was very puzzled about some people. They seem to have a loss. They seem to move forward. They seem to get on with their life. They seem to have another sense of purpose. And I just couldn't figure it out. I was like, how can they, how, how come they can do it and I can't? So um, as part of my journey of trying to make sense of these things, I actually studied NLP and lots and lots of other things. I was on a search to try and make sense of what had happened. Uh, And it wasn't until I was around 30 when my older brother died that all the unresolved grief around my mum came back up. And then the new grief around this sudden death of a brother who was just a year and a half older than me. And that really shook my world up because my beliefs about old people and other people were suddenly shattered. And I was trying to do my usual thing of let's be strong and put on a good front and um, et cetera. But it wasn't working because I not only had all the old grief in, in this backpack of my life, but now I had all this extra stuff. And at that time, I also didn't understand that grief is not just about bereavements. 
every time something comes to an end or there's a change in a familiar pattern of behavior, it can produce feelings of loss and grief. And so lots of changes, you know, heartbreaks with romantic relationships, changing from one continent to another and having to learn a whole new culture and uh, explore a new sense of identity. And even smaller things like um, when I was in primary school, somebody crossed my name off the register because there's another Asian girl who had a similar sounding name. And so all of a sudden, I didn't have enough English to be able to say that's not my name. And so for several years, I got called by that girl's name. So it's almost like I lost my identity. And when I knew enough English to question it, it's like they, they couldn't accept that for years now I'd been registered as this other girl. And so it wasn't until I was moving to secondary school, I had to take on the battle of convincing them that this mistake had been made and now it needed to be rectified. <laughs> I'm laughing now, but it was not very funny at the time. It did produce a, a lot of confusion, like, who am I? Because all these people are calling me this other name. Um, so along my journey, I learned a lot of, you know, a lot of knowledge. And it wasn't really until a year later, uh, my younger sister had a delayed grief reaction. Um, that I realized that I was not coping because I, I could be strong up to a point, but then the weight just became too much. And so when somebody said to me, um, you know, Gulam, how are you coping? I said, well, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm being strong. And she said, I don't think you're coping very well, actually, because it's usually very obvious to people around you that you're struggling. And so actually I, I decided I was going to resign from my job. I was going to go traveling, try and make sense of life and death and who I was and all that. And after I'd handed in my resignation, my younger sister sadly had a delayed grief reaction and she had a nervous breakdown. So all of a sudden I was like, should I go? Shouldn't I go? Should I take her with me? Fortunately, she came back to herself and then she persuaded me that she said you really need this you've already resigned your job you've already got your ticket just go I'll be fine but sadly while I was away she had a relapse and uh, she took her own life so even though I got the message and I was heading back um, the day before I landed uh, while I was in transit actually uh, she walked out of the facility where I thought she was safe and sadly had another go and she died. And there I learned the second um, kind of unresolved situations that can get you stuck in grief. And that was that you, you, know, you replay the situation and you think about what you could have done differently, what you could have done better, what you could have done more of. And so just as I thought I'm, you know, getting stronger, I'll be able to help her. Then bam, you know, that was the second thing, then uh, the third thing that happened. And then a year later, my father really, um, you know, affected by these tragedies, uh, he went on holiday. <laughs> it's not funny, but he went on holiday and he got sick and he died. But this time it was really different because before he went, I thought I must make sure I tell him I love him. I must make sure that any 
um, unresolved issues between us, any conflicts of the past, I've forgiven him or I've apologized to him. And so when we got the news that, you know, he was sick and then we got the news that he was sicker and that we should hurry because we, they weren't sure how long he would last. Although obviously I was affected and I was sad, it felt really different because I didn't have those feelings of I should have done this, I could have done this, I didn't say this. And so that was much easier to move forward and, and come to terms with. And then I went on to have three miscarriages. And in those miscarriages, I learned the third major cause of um, unresolved issues and um, unresolved grief. And that was where you've built up hopes, dreams and expectations. But then you're disappointed because they've been dashed because something came to an end or there was a change in a familiar pattern of behavior. And so I had two sons. I mean, I love my sons. I love my husband, but they often ganged up on me. <laughs> so I, I often felt outnumbered. So I, when I've heard I was, you know, pregnant with a girl, I was, oh, we'll be able to do girly things and have an avalanche of pink things and go shopping, all those sorts of stereotypes in my head of what it would like be like to have a little daughter. And so when when I miscarried and uh, the second miscarriage was really at around 20, 22 weeks or something, it, it was quite far and we actually had to have a funeral and, and so on. And um, and then, then the disappointment of I'll never be able to have a daughter. And I, I had got married later on in life and I was having some gynecological issues and I thought, this is my last chance. And so that sense of now my last chance was gone. Um, that's when I learned that actually there are hopes, dreams and expectations we build up, whether it's to do with our job or our education or our health or career or, you know, all sorts of things. When it doesn't work out the way that you were hoping it would, that can lead to feelings of loss and grief. And so sometimes people say to me, um, oh, I'm so glad I've not, I've not had any grief in my life. I haven't lost anybody important to me. Uh, but that's because they haven't understood that grief is really related to change. So when something comes to an end or there's a change in a familiar pattern of behavior that actually impacts your heart. And if you haven't resolved it or dealt with it, because a lot of the times we kind of think, oh, I'll just be strong. I'll just keep busy. I'll just give it time. And we stuff it in our backpack and try and ignore it and hope it'll go away with time. And it, the thing is, grief is not only negative, it's cumulative. And it doesn't just go away with time. You have to actually make sure that you've settled and made peace with any unfinished business, any undelivered communication. So I... As I said, my journey was very long and circuitous and I could write several books. <laughs> but eventually, when I did find peace and regain my life and my joy and sense of passion for life, because when I was in the thick of it, I could never imagine feeling happy again. I could never imagine, you know, that I could have joy again and all those sorts of things. And it certainly disconnected me from any sense of purpose because I was so caught up in the pain of what I was dealing with. It was hard to think further than that. Um, 
In fact, at one point, I thought, oh, maybe I need a hobby. And I remember taking up stamp collecting (laughs) very randomly because I had a friend who was a great artist and she painted beautiful flowers. Her mother was a great gardener. She grew beautiful flowers. And since I was neither of those, I thought, oh, maybe I could collect stamps with flowers on them. And uh, but it didn't it didn't really fulfill that hole and give me a sense of proper purpose. So so now, having gone through all of that, I thought I don't want all the lessons I've learned to go to waste. I want to um, help other people to have a better understanding of what grief is, how it can impact you, the common ways that you can get stuck, and how to handle it more effectively. So that's my big sense of mission and purpose now, um, to not just to help those who are really struggling and stuck, but actually raise general awareness because prevention is obviously much better than trying to pick up the pieces after you've done it all wrong. Wow. You have been through so much. And if you could come out from the other, you know, the other side of all of this and be able to really help people, I think this is amazing. Totally amazing. I would love for you to just recap the three causes, because I think, you know, through you sharing the story, people may have missed, um, you know, the exact three causes and what they are. So could you just recap that for us? Yes, of course. I'll also recap how we define grief, because depending on how you define it makes a big difference. So we say that grief is a normal and natural reaction to loss of any kind. And uh, conflicted feelings that come when there's an end of something or there's a change in a familiar pattern of behavior. And sometimes the change can be something that's actually positive, but you can be conflicted. I mean, I've had clients who were really relieved that their loved one was no longer suffering. But on the other hand, they're really missing the person and stuck with, I wish I'd done more of this and I wish I'd done more of that. So that sort of sense of conflict that comes is what unresolved um, grief can be like. And the three main causes are one is where you've got undelivered communication of an emotional nature, like with my mum, or where you wish that you had done things differently or done them better or done more of them, like with my sister or where there's a loss of hopes and dreams and expectations that you had, but which because of the end of something or the change of something, that that's no longer going to happen. So I remember one lady I interviewed, all she ever wanted in life was to be a good wife and mother. She said, I'm not really, I didn't have any other ambition. That was my dream. And so when her marriage broke up and uh, they got divorced, It was like she suddenly lost her sense of meaning, purpose, identity. Um, So, you know, loss of hopes, dreams, and expectations is the third one. Great, great. Yeah, I think it's so important to to have clarification on that because it's true. I think people automatically just think the loss of a loved one and don't think about all these other things that can also give you these feelings of grief. Now. We had said that there's 40 life events. What is a life event that people that's people never think about or very rarely think is is a loss? 
Well, there's so many. Um, so sometimes moving, you know, you're changing, whether it's through moving from one job to another or whether it's moving from one location to another, you don't realize that actually, even if you wanted the move, you'd be leaving behind people, relationships, familiar ways of doing things, which then are going to lead to you having conflicted feelings. So even though I had done my training and knew a lot about grief, um, when I uh, asked to be moved from one site to one that was closer to where I lived, um, you know, I, I was really thrilled that my managers agreed to let me do that. But then once I had moved, I really couldn't understand why I thought I should be really elated. But I was really struggling to settle in. Um, and then I realized, oh, actually, it's because I didn't complete and deal with the loss aspects, you know, that I'd been in my previous job for five years. I'd built up a lot of uh, trust and a, a lot of credibility. And I'd built up a lot of relationships of people who, you know, love being with me and supporting what I was doing. And although the new site was more of closer to where I was, and I did, you know, used to be be based there earlier, five years earlier, it's like I'm starting all over again, having to, you know, learn the new ways of doing this or, you know, you don't do it that way. <laughs> and um, and I really, and even even things like having a baby, you know, you might see that's a very positive thing, but there'll be loss aspects. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is the loss of your sleep, which can sometimes result in the loss of your sanity. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and also maybe losses of freedom. Um, and then there can be all sorts of other events that involve a loss of confidence or a loss of trust. And even, you know, um, finances. I remember one time we wanted to, we took out um, a fairly large sum of money because we were wanting to gift it to somebody. Uh, but we got pickpocketed between the bank and the, and the car. And fortunately, we had split it into two, and I had some in my rucksack and some in my husband's rucksack. But the shock that somebody could do that to you and that loss of safety and security. So there are many different kinds of losses, some of them tangible and some of them intangible. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, I even got a chill when you said that last story because what a feeling i mean i felt that loss for you you know yeah, you are I mean, trying to do something good for somebody else <laughs> and somebody just completely ruined that you know yeah yeah no it really i mean it, it really had a huge impact because we were constantly after that like is somebody watching us is somebody you know mm -hmm. and every time i'd go to that area it would bring back all those memories and then There'd be the whole thing of, uh, you know, we should have been more careful. We should have, you know, carried the rucksack differently, and all. And a lot of that was around um, what we could have done better or different or more, mm -hmm. and and you know, being cross with ourselves so until you settle that and then allow it to kind of okay, this is what happened. See, sometimes what happens is we get into a blame frame mindset. So we need to develop a moving forward mindset. 
And part of that involves instead of focusing on blame, because we can't change what happened, is focusing on outcomes or focusing on, right, this has happened. What's within my control I can do that will help me to deal with this or will help resolve the issue? So once we stop blaming ourselves and, you know, obviously blaming the other person, we were able to think about, okay, who do we need to inform? Is there an insurance that might cover that, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, but yeah, and I think if you don't realize that that is actually a grief event, you might really get sucked in, but not understand why it's happening. And then you become preoccupied. And as soon as you're preoccupied with something, it stops you being fully present to what's really happening. And you're either stuck in the past or you're imagining things of going wrong in the future. And that sucks the life, your energy, your joy. And it can really impact your productivity because if your mind is so preoccupied, there's not much of it left for making decisions or thinking things through or getting things done because your mind slipped back to why did we, why didn't we, why, you know, all that. Yeah, I can totally see that. And I've experienced that myself. So I I definitely understand that. But something you said about thinking about what we are in control of, how do we do that? I mean, how can we, you know, we we have a loss, you know, doesn't matter what the loss is, and we can't change the loss but how like what's a step of moving forward that we do have control over thank you that's a that's a really great question i sometimes give the analogy of imagine if you broke your leg now because it's an emotional shock and a hurt sometimes we think that we should be able to carry on Whereas we would never dream of thinking that if we've got a broken leg, we would be thinking about how can I create space so I can get the rest that I need? And, um, I'll, you know, and you'd be thinking of all the practical things of what will help my leg to heal faster. Well, carrying on walking when you've got a broken leg, it's not going to be the thing to do. Um, and, you know, lots of other just basic practical needs that you have for eating and sleeping and drinking a lot of those things get shaken out of um out of their routine so taking physical you know taking care of yourself physically and doing some of those basic things even if you don't feel like doing them uh, and then the other thing to remember is each person is really unique in how they react how they respond how they heal and so sometimes people, the common mistake is to compare how you're feeling and what you're doing to what you think you should be doing or what other people expect of you. So I think that's the first thing to accept. I am, I am grieving right now. I've gone through a loss event. What can I do to create a sense of safety where I can go and uh, nurture myself and uh, give myself the best chance of healing. I remember I, I had a friend years ago, his best friend died. And he said what helped him was he decided that he was going to go away into like almost like a retreat in his room for two weeks 
He was going to spend time reminiscing, playing all their favorite songs, going through all the, you know, he, he was like just going to concentratedly be present to all that he was feeling and all whatever. And then after that, he was going to say, right, okay, I'm now ready to start moving forward. But for other people, it might be something completely different. And it also depends on the circumstances of the loss. It also depends on what else you're already carrying and how resilient you already are. So if you're already, you know, like by the time my sister died, you know, <laughs> my bag was already full. And, well, my brother, I guess, even before that. Um, and I just didn't have capacity to handle much more. That's why I ended up having to go, okay, I'm just going to take time out. And I went traveling and stayed at ashrams and all sorts of things. Uh, so it's figuring out what is it that you need and what is it that's particularly causing you the hurt. So some people get stuck on feelings of guilt. So they might need to actually examine the thoughts that they have and check, is this really true? You know, is it because there's really nothing I could have done, but somehow I was making it mean that if only I had done this, it would have been different. If only I had done this, it would have. So you have to check the reality of um, the feelings that you have. Uh, the other the other thing um I've created is something called uh, the Get Safer Toolkit. It's like a grief emotions toolkit where you actually, I encourage clients to um, think about creating themselves what we might call a happy bag. So you collect things that it's about feeding you the S. So Get Safer, the acronym SAFER, the S stands for your senses. So being very wise in what you feed your senses. So making sure you've got things when you look at them, uh, they you know bring a smile to your face. I've created a file of lots of photos and videos of my granddaughter. Uh, and so if I'm feeling a little low in energy or feeling a little whatever, I'll think, oh, it's time for some Samara time. <laughs> and so I encourage people to think about being intentional of what are you feeding your senses, your uh, sense of smell. For me, the smell of roses always is uplifting. Um, or, or what are you listening to? What are you tasting? What are you hearing? Uh, and so to before time to create a toolkit with all those things you know, when you're especially feeling low, will help to restore your state to be more resourceful so you can then carry on processing things and self-care is something that people often neglect when they're going through grief and yet it's the most important thing in helping you to uh, be more resourceful in how you handle things and uh, in managing your emotions because if you don't have some strategies for managing your emotions they can just feel really overwhelming and then you feel stuck again. Mm -hmm. I love this, the toolkit. Yeah. I don't think people think about that. I, I, it's so hard, you know? And I think for many of us, we do go through that, you know, feeling like we need to be the stronger person. 
So we yeah. put our, we do put ourselves on the back burner. And the, yeah. there's something else that I really wanted to ask you about. And that is, what is your response to someone who says, you know, you had a loss, you know, kind of like get over it already. You know, that is what really crushes me the most. Yeah. yeah. I hear that. I see that you know, and especially on social media, you know, where somebody's like, okay, you lost the, you lost somebody, you know, it, stop talking about it. Yes. Sadly, there are a lot of very, the, 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 well, let's go back to the beginning. So 90% of the population has no idea what grief is, how it impacts you, how you can get stuck, how to move forward and what is helpful and unhelpful to say. So often we have to recognize that people are actually well-meaning, but they're ignorant. And so we need to come from a place of being gracious. And I have on my website uh, got some articles about, you know, how to respond if somebody's being unhelpful. But the first thing is you have to recognize that they're not necessarily uh, most of the time coming from a place of malicious intent to hurt you or whatever. They just don't know any better. And sometimes, we, you know, you have choices. You can decide, okay, this person is not really ready to hear any feedback from me or I'm not in a position to handle this. So you might just respond by saying, well, you know, thank you for um, your contribution. I'll, I'll bear it in mind. Or something innocuous to change the subject, move forward until you feel in a better position to to handle it. But I would encourage everybody to recognize that we don't have good information and to make and there is a lot of information out there is to make time to educate yourself firstly on how to uh, handle things more effectively and resourcefully for yourself. But secondly, you know, it, Grief is a natural, normal part of everyday life. And so we need to be uh, better equipped in knowing how to support someone. And the big mistake people make is they think, oh, I reacted this way. This helped me. So this must help you. But everybody's grief journey is unique. There's no one size fits all because your relationship to the person is unique your level of resilience and what else you're carrying is unique. And so well, there were six of us in our family. So when my brother died, my older brother died, we all, you know, same family and everything, but each one of us had a different relationship with him and each one of us made it mean different things. So each one of us was impacted differently and what help we needed was very different. So I think... um realizing that actually everybody's on their own unique journey and so it's much more helpful to listen to what they've got to say and ask them what would help them or what would be supportive rather than assuming that you'll do for them what you would like somebody else to do for you if that makes sense yes yes most definitely i'm so glad that you came on the podcast because this is something i feel feel everybody needs to listen to I would love for you to share how our listeners could get in touch with you. And also, I know that you have some things available for people. So yes. maybe you could share that as well. Yes, sure. 
So I have a free Facebook community um, and you can I'll send you the link so you can put them in. Um, I have a website with a blog. I regularly post on social media. And so on my website, you can connect all of those. But more importantly, I have a I have a free guide called the 10 Common Mistakes When Handling Your Grief. And so that is free to download. And, you know, I'm very happy for people to contact me if they have questions or suggestions. And for those who need more uh, professional help because of the nature of their struggle and how long they're stuck, I also have a 12-week a handling grief program. And I offer a free discovery call where we can explore what has happened to you and whether you might be a good fit um, to work for us to work together. And if I feel that, no, actually, we're not a good fit because I don't offer traditional grief counseling. The program I offer is a very practical, action-based, step-by-step method where you identify your unresolved issues and, and then are able to process them. So if I think that you need something different, then I will always signpost you to other resources. And definitely all your links will be in our show notes. So people will be able to connect with you and get that free download. And I have to say, and I, I told you this before we got started today, you must follow Galam on LinkedIn because her articles on there are amazing. She has such a warm heart and I'm telling you, every article you have, there's a takeaway. So thank you for that. That's a pleasure. Kindness looks good on everyone. And that's why the Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities podcast has partnered with The Kindness Cause, a creatively curated online shopping experience of fashion-forward gifts that donate to nonprofit organizations to help you shop with purpose and donate in style. Together, our mission is to spread kindness, give back and empower individuals to pursue their dreams through our exclusive line of inspirational merchandise that not only uplifts your spirits, but also gives back to those in need. Every purchase donates to a charitable nonprofit organization. To see this exclusive line, make a purchase, and support a cause, head over to the show notes for the direct link. So on the podcast, you know, I ask my three P questions <laughs> and I love, like, I know that, you know, our listeners can't see this, but your background here while we're on Zoom, I can see says, Regain your peace, productivity, passion for life, and purpose, which I absolutely love. Yes. <laughs> so tell us, what is something you're passionate about that people might not know about you? Uh, so there's a number of things I'm passionate about that people might not know about me. One of them is building community. I'm really conscious, especially living in London. Uh, in a big city, that loneliness is a is a growing pandemic. So I sometimes I think, oh, well, I'm so small. What difference can I make? And then I realize actually, I can change. We can all change the world one street or one person at a time. And so yesterday, um, we've been organizing a street 
party once a year so that neighbors can get to know each other. Everybody cooks and brings some food to share. The children have some games and so on. So we had a fantastic time yesterday meeting new neighbors as well as reconnecting with old ones. So I'm very passionate about connecting and building community. I'm also very passionate about my role as a my fairly new role as a grandmother. Um, oh, nice. So I have a little granddaughter, and you can imagine after having mentioned of um, you know the grief I felt at having miscarried daughters, to have a little girl in the family now, it feels like such a privilege. And um, yeah, I mean, babies always remind me about what a miracle life is, and so yeah, I, I love. I know everybody's. Um, child or grandchild is precious to them but you can't help feeling like yours is the best in the world <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course we all feel that way right <laughs> uh, definitely okay so the second question is what is your definition of purpose yeah that's a very interesting question I went through a whole phase of feeling like was drifting through life and trying to make sense of all the pain. And especially, I think my brother's death impacted me. Apart from missing him and everything, it made me realize that life is fragile and that I could die any time because he, you know, just like that, he died. Um, and so that made me very scared and about death and dying and everything. And And then wanting to treat life as precious, but you know, really struggling. So I went through a whole phase of searching for meaning and purpose. And as I said, I even tried stamp collecting, but that didn't work. <laughs> but then one day while I was, um, you know, going through an exercise, I just, and I was looking for like, what, what is, what's a couple of words that could describe my sense of purpose. And the words that came up for me was um, about increasing love and decreasing fear. And I thought, you know, I could do lots of different things, but that is really the root, you know, the purpose of what it is that drives me. We've got so much fear in the world um, and we've got so many things that stop us from really being able to love. And I thought anything I can do, and, and it obviously especially applies to the, when people are dealing with grief, you know, that they fear increases and their sense of love and connection decreases. So I feel that's really what my purpose is about, increasing love and decreasing fear. I love that. I'm going to have to quote you on my on my community page. Yes, you're very <laughs> well. <laughs> okay, the last question is, is there a possibility, a dream or a vision you have that hasn't come to fruition yet? Absolutely. And this one I'm really excited to share about because um, I knew I wanted to help people who were dealing with loss, but I wasn't really quite sure what and how. I was already had a part time job where I was supporting people with all sorts of uh, challenging life issues as a pastoral care worker. And then one day I popped into a clubhouse room. I'm not sure if you're aware of clubhouse, but they were talking about vision and purpose. Actually, I casually popped in there because I saw somebody was in that room that I knew. And I thought, oh, I wonder what she's up to. I had no idea it was going to completely change my life. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
so the man there, he said, um, you know, and I said, look, I've got this sense that I really want to help people. I don't know what that looks like in terms of vision and mission and purpose. He said, are you happy for me to do a little exercise with you? And I said, yeah, of course. Um, anyway, he got me to imagine that I was, it was my very last day on earth and I was drawing my very last breath. And he said, and how old are you? I went, I've got no idea. <laughs> he said, just make up a number. I said, okay, 90. <laughs> and then he said, well, in your mind, just look around and what do you see? And much to my surprise, when I looked around, I just saw thousands of people. It's like I'm in the middle and that whichever way I look, like, you know, as far as I can see, there's like thousands of people. So I said, I shared that with him and he said, well, what are they doing? And again, I went in, I looked at my uh, vision in my mind and I said, well, they seem to be smiling and it's as if they've come to celebrate my life and thank me for helping them with the pain of their grief. And he said, whoa. <laughs> and I went, whoa. He said, he said, well, that's it. That's exactly what your mission um, is. So about a year and a half ago, I I thought, well, if not now, when? Because my plan of I've trained, I'll help one or two people who are struggling with grief, and then I'll retire in a couple of years, I'll help one or two more people. I suddenly thought that plan is not going to get me from here to there. And so I feel that, that is a vision that's constantly before me in terms of how do I make that more of a reality. And it's one of the things that's actually brought me to be here on your podcast. And I'd love to connect with others maybe who have an audience that would benefit from knowing these things. Because I suddenly realized actually that is a really a quicker way of actually reaching all those thousands of people that I see in my mind. And sometimes when things get tough and I think, oh, everybody's retiring. Why can't I just put my feet up and watch telly all day? Then I see that picture of all those smiling people and I think, well, they wouldn't be smiling if I don't do what I'm meant to do. So that's the possibility that I'd love to see happen. And I see it for you. You have a heart of gold and people need to connect with you because you definitely, I mean, even in the brief conversation we had previously, I, I felt that you helped me a lot. Even without having like real consultation, gone through your program, just having a conversation with you was really, really helpful. And I know there are people out there that are struggling with their own grief, whether it's that loss of, you know, a person, loss of a situation, loss of way they maybe saw their future and now that's not going to happen whatever it is that they're dealing with just being able to talk to somebody who can help process the feelings and help you move forward that's a gift so thank you Galam. hi it's my pleasure and i really do wish your listeners well and i do encourage them to be proactive and intentional on educating themselves in this area because grief is a normal, natural part of life and we need to be better equipped to handle it. I think that was well said right there. Thank you again. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
If you enjoyed the show, please submit a rating and review and share with a friend. This helps us reach more listeners so we can make a bigger impact. From time to time, we share our reviews live on our episode. Your review could be the next one we share. Please head on over to our website, passion, purpose, and possibilities.co to receive a free gift I am waiting for you. And if you heard something today that truly inspired you, I would love to hear about it. You can email me at Candace Snyder at passion, purpose, and possibilities.co. Thank you again for listening.